Good morning. We're just saying that hymn, the, one of the first lines talking about, talking about Jesus and of, of the unseen things above. Now, just thinking of this this past week, it says of God in 1 John 4.12, it says very clearly, no one has seen God at any time. It has never happened, and actually it will never happen. Because it says in 1 Timothy 6.14, He is a blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in inapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. That's talking about the Lord Jesus, who's God. But then, well, if you look in the book of Matthew, I'm just going to read this verse. This is Matthew 5.8. This is in the Beatitudes. The Lord Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So what's going on here? Do we have a contradiction? How does one see God? How does one see the Lord Jesus? We're going to look at this morning at how, of all people, a blind man, a blind man got to see the Lord Jesus. Let's turn to the book of Mark, chapter 10. This is just a short passage. We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Then they came to Jericho. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Verse 46, we see Jesus, Jesus came to Jericho with a great multitude. Now, Jesus might have done all kinds of incredible things in that city. He might have delivered you know, an earth-shattering message. He might have healed a number of people. He may have spoken to a number of individuals, had some life-changing conversations with them. But the strange thing is, actually nothing of that trip is really recorded. We see he comes to Jericho. Then in the next sentence, he's leaving. We don't really know what he did there. And something, oftentimes we think of the trip to the big city as that's a big occasion. That's where things are happening. Jesus has come to Jericho. But something, out of all things of that trip, is the departure from that trip that the Lord preserves in the scripture. And it's something that would 
many people would just consider very incidental. Just as you're leaving, you meet someone on the road. Let's look at Bartimaeus. He's called Bartimaeus the son of Timaeus. That's interesting. Why does it mention that he was a son of Timaeus? Was Timaeus someone especially important or well-known? Well, he probably wasn't anyone too prominent, otherwise his son would not have been on the street begging. What I think this does speak about is how Barnabas was a real person. He was a real man. He was someone's son. We can easily forget that when we see a beggar in the street. This, this man used to be someone's son. We don't know whether he was born this way or whether something happened to him at some point in his life, but we see him here. He's a blind man. Now, blind people, blind people had it a lot harder back then. In this day and age, um, there's actually a lot of resources out there for blind people. Blind people can have seeing eye dogs. They have traffic lights nowadays that make noise when it's safe or not safe to cross the street. They have a written language braille where you can feel what you're reading. So a blind person can read nowadays. But Bartimaeus, he didn't have any of those things. And he had nothing on him. He had no one with him. He was alone, no one caring for him. He was a beggar, relying on the occasional bit of charity that someone would give him. Now, Bartimaeus was blind, but it looks like before this time where we see him, before this instant on the road, it looks like that he had seen the effect that Jesus had had on the lives of others. Actually, I just said something funny. I said seen. Maybe I should better say perceived difference that Jesus had made in the lives of others. Perhaps when Bartimaeus first heard the name of Jesus, he may have been a little skeptical. I mean, he was hearing about a man who could miraculously heal people. Could that really be true? But he heard about the Lord Jesus week after week, day after day, And as he heard more and more, he wanted to hear more. What was this message this man was preaching? And he was hearing how the Lord was giving the lame the ability to walk. He was cleansing lepers. He was giving the deaf their hearing. The gospel was preached to the poor. And the blind were receiving their sight. And as time went on, as he heard mention of Jesus, he must have just kind of inclined his ear. Are they talking about Jesus? He wanted to hear more. And as he heard more, the more he wanted to meet him. And he heard about the Lord Jesus' character, how he was compassionate, he was kind, he was loving, he was merciful. And he must have thought to himself, if only I could meet Jesus. But there's a problem. He's a blind man. Bartimaeus had no way of finding or getting to the Lord Jesus. You know, we see in other passages that um, people brought sick relatives to the Lord to be healed, but we see no one around Bartimaeus. There's no one to bring him to the Lord. He's just by himself begging. And 
if someone told them, well, Jesus is in Capernaum, you just have to go right there, it's not like um, Bartimaeus could ask someone for directions on how to get to Capernaum. He's blind. Now, what do we do when we look for someone? If I'm trying to find someone, what do I look for? Now, oftentimes when we're looking for people, we um, are very into the physical description. We'll ask, well, what does he look like? And, you know, based on a general description, we can usually figure out who someone is. Like, oh, he's a tall man, got gray eyes, um, thinning hair, wears a blue shirt. Um, or we might say, oh, she's uh, on the shorter side, she has curly red hair. That's often how we identify people. And there's a number of people in the scripture that have physical descriptions. And we know that um, some like David, in his youth, David was described as ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. We know there were a number of women that were described as beautiful in appearance, like Esther or Sarah. And then um, with someone like Elijah, you know, he was, known, he was described as a hairy man who wore a belt around his waist. In fact, he was so well-known by that appearance that if someone mentioned that there was a prophet with a, that was a hairy man with a, with a belt around his waist, people would say, it's Elijah. But there's actually no physical description of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't appear in Scripture. And while we're at it, let's actually get rid of the notion that Jesus was a tall, fair-skinned man with shoulder-length hair, a beard, a mustache, and always wearing a white robe. There's actually no indication he looked like that. And you know, people did not come to the Lord Jesus because of his physical appearance. Actually, if anything, it seems like he was probably very unremarkable looking. Um, actually, we see John the Baptist had to point out to Andrew who he was. It wasn't obvious. Now, of course, if given a physical description, this would have done like someone like poor Bartimaeus, it would have done him no good. So it happened on this one day, you know, Bartimaeus, he was sitting on the road begging. Maybe he'd been just sitting there for hours. Maybe he had got a few pennies during the day. Maybe he had received nothing. We don't know. He was holding his cup begging. And all of a sudden, he hears a great noise. He hears hundreds of people on the road walking, talking excitedly. He must be thinking to himself, what's going on here? And then he heard that name that he had been waiting for, that he had been hearing about for so many months. He heard the name Jesus. Jesus was here. He was on the very road that he was begging on. And so Bartimaeus cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And you could bet Bartimaeus was shouting that at the top of his lungs. Now it says then in verse 48, then many warned him to be quiet. Now why are these people doing that? I mean, everyone knows that Jesus can give a blind man his sight, so why, why are they telling him this? Why are they discouraging him? Of course, everyone knew this by this time. Problem is, these people who are discouraging Bartimaeus, they don't really see the Lord for, they don't really know what he's like. They're thinking, well, Jesus is an important person. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got important business. 
He's got more important things to do than to stop for you. But we see Bartimaeus, he had a true perception of what the Lord, of what the Lord was like. We can see that by his plea. He says, he says have mercy. Bartimaeus, he properly sees himself as someone who deserves nothing from, from the Lord. He knows that he does not deserve his sight. He says, have mercy. And look at how also he addresses the Lord as the son of David. He knows the Lord Jesus is the rightful king. And there was nothing, nothing was going to stand between him and the Lord Jesus. It didn't matter how many people were trying to discourage him from crying out to him. And Bartimaeus was so fixed on crying out to the Lord, so fixed on the Lord Jesus, it's like he didn't even hear the people around him trying to discourage him. Because we see he cries, he cries out all the more. They didn't matter at all. All that mattered was that the Lord was near. And the Lord does have mercy on him. The Lord, the Lord could have kept going. He had already steadfastly set his face on going to Jerusalem. He was on his way there, and the time was coming soon when he was going to be crucified. But he stops. He stood still. It says of Bartimaeus in verse 50, it says, After the Lord calls him, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. Now, the scripture doesn't waste uh, any words on meaningless detail. Why does it mention that Bartimaeus cast off his garment? Now, Bartimaeus didn't have much. He was a beggar. The clothes on his back were probably the extent of his earthly possessions. But it does speak about how eager he was to come to the Lord. When you're trying to run somewhere, when you're trying to get somewhere fast, it's often easier to get there without having a heavy robe or heavy coat on. Now, the garment Bartimaeus was wearing was all he had. It wasn't like it was preventing him from coming to the Lord, but it would have slowed him down. And so he threw it off. It's like laying aside every weight. He didn't want anything standing in the way of him and the Lord. And you know, we see this, when looking at Bartimaeus' attitude, how it didn't matter how the the crowd was trying to discourage him. It didn't matter and how he cast up his robe. It really begs us to look at our own lives. You know, is there something in our lives slowing us down from approaching the Lord or slowing us down spiritually in general? It's not necessarily something obviously sinful. It could be perhaps I'm putting a little much time into my career. Too much of my energy and thoughts are fixed on my career goals. Maybe I'm letting a relationship consume me. Maybe I'm, letting, maybe I'm just letting a little hobby of mine take up too much of my time. I'm having pulling time away from my hobby to spend time with the Lord. And just think back. Think back to that first time you met the Lord, how everything else seemed so worthless, how you would have given up everything and anything for him. And it didn't matter how people might be trying to discourage you from living life for the Lord. You just wanted to be in the Lord's will. Are things still like that between you and the Lord? 
Back to Bartimaeus in verse 51. Once again, and Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Now, of course, Jesus knew what Bartimaeus wanted. So why ask him? It's because the Lord wanted Bartimaeus to glorify him with this request. Show that Bartimaeus really believed that the Lord had the power to heal him. And Bartimaeus calls the Lord something that he wasn't called very often. In fact, I think only Mary Magdalene is mentioned as um, calling him this. He calls the Lord Jesus Rabboni, my great one, or my great master. It's really an act of worship calling him this. Then Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Now, verse 52, verse 52 could have actually read very differently. It could have read something like, after Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well, it could have said something like, and immediately Bartimaeus received his sight, went his way, returning to his own home. But it doesn't say that. It says that he immediately followed Jesus, Jesus on the road. So wait a second, what just, what just happened here? I mean, didn't Jesus just tell Bartimaeus to go his way? So why doesn't he go home? Is he being disobedient to the Lord? <coughs> Bartimaeus' response, it has to do with how he saw the Lord Jesus. If you really see Jesus for who he is, he has to be Lord over your life. How we perceive someone affects so much how we act toward them. We can, and we, you know, we can view God in many different ways. Maybe you're dissatisfied with your current circumstances in life. You might be viewing God as someone who is holding back good things from you. Or maybe you're going through some tough times. It might be tempting to see the Lord as someone who's aloof and uncaring. That's not a right view of God. What's happening is you're, when that happens, it's like you're letting your current circumstances obstruct your a real, true view of the Lord. Let's think back again. Think back to that time when you were first saved, how there was no one else you could think about. You saw the Lord so clearly at that moment as someone who truly loved you and cared for you and given everything for you had died so that you could have eternal life with him. You saw him as, rightly as being so gracious, so loving. And so when Bartimaeus had this full view, this full view of the Lord, it's like he realized he had to be Lord over his life. I think he had something similar in his heart, something like that um, writer of that hymn, When I Surveyed the Wondrous Cross, Love so amazing, so, de- so divine, demands my heart, my life, my all. At this point, when he saw the Lord truly, Bartimaeus didn't want to do anything else or go anywhere else except where the Lord wanted. So Bartimaeus did go his way. Only Jesus' way had become Bartimaeus' way.
Now, Bartimaeus' story, it's not just a nice story about a blind man receiving a sight from the Lord. It has a lot of application today. There's actually a lot of people in Bartimaeus' original, original condition. There's a lot of blind people around in the world today. I don't, just mean, I don't mean literally blind. Really, everyone who's not saved is blind. I'm just going to read a verse to you from John chapter 9. You don't have to turn. There's just one verse. Jesus actually came to give sight to the blind. After healing a certain other blind man, the Lord says in John 9.39, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. When the Lord is talking about those who do not see, that's actually everyone who's not saved. When you were unsaved, you had no idea of the spiritual world. You had no idea of which way to go to get to heaven. You had no idea who to go to. You had no idea you were a sinner. You had no idea how much your sin hurt God. You're ignorant about the Lord Jesus Christ, about, about so many things going on around you. You had no idea. And we don't think of it this way, but every day people are stumbling around into extremely dangerous situations as if they were blind. And I work in the hospital. You know, I've, seen a lot, I've seen a lot of patients. They've been very close to death. They've come that close from passing into eternity without the Lord Jesus, and they have no idea. It's almost like you see a blind man who's stumbling along, and he's walking along the very edge of a cliff, and he has no idea that if he just stepped a few feet off, he would fall to his death. Now, to a person who doesn't believe, Belief in the Lord Jesus might seem very foolish. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, if you're not saved, well, I've never seen him. I've never seen any evidence of him. He must not exist. So let's say you, do, let's say you do come by a Bartimaeus, a blind person. How are you going to show the Lord Jesus to that person? How does the person see Jesus? Let's say I want to show the Lord Jesus to someone. What do I do? Some people like to put on a Christian exterior, you know, bumper stickers, jewelry, a t-shirt or a hat with a catchy phrase pointing to the Lord. By the way, I'm not knocking those methods, and they certainly have their merit. I mean, there are definitely ways that can get someone thinking, can catch someone's attention. They're not the the way that people see the Lord most of the time. They have a limited effectiveness. And keep in mind, too, if you're going to use something like that, you better be walking with a good testimony. Otherwise, if you are wearing a T-shirt or a sticker like that, and someone sees you not walking with the Lord, a, a person might just point you off as another hypocrite. You would push them further away from the Lord. It can often be a slow process, but there are actually many ways to make the Lord visible. 
Turn to uh, the book of First John, chapter 4. I'm just going to read a few verses, verses 7 through 12. This is one of the ways the Lord Jesus is made very visible. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Now, all these verses are talking about believers loving one another. And here we come back to that, um, that part of the verse I mentioned at the start of the message. No one has seen God at any time. Now, is this verse out of place in this group of verses talking about loving one another? I saw Beth shaking her head. No, not at all. We can't behold the Lord in all his glory, but it's through loving one another Loving the brethren, the Lord is made very visible. This may be one of the very first glimpses a person has of the Lord. I remember um, Bob Chafee actually shared his testimony a few weeks ago at a, um, a New Year's Eve gathering. One of, the first seen, one of the first things he noticed when he came to Mission Peak Bible Church, he noticed that there was a genuine love between the believers. It was something that struck him as very different. And I can remember I had similar thoughts also. When I first came to Calvary, I noticed um, everyone acted like family. And it struck me as very strange how there were some people who obviously were not related by blood. They were calling some older people uncle. Like, so why is everyone calling Bill McDonald Uncle Bill? He's not related to them by blood. But now, the love between believers, it's really a supernatural love. And then we can just seek to make mention of the Lord as much as possible. Talk about him. Tell people what he's like. Tell what great things he's done for you. Actually, I found something interesting. I found, it was about nine years ago, I found it's actually possible to indirectly introduce someone to someone else just by talking about them a lot. I'll tell you how. Now, in the first year when I was saved, um, Noah and Sharon were two of the coolest people in the world to me. Now, don't get me wrong. They're still cool. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would talk about them quite a bit to people I knew. And for those of you who don't know, I'm very close to my parents. You know, I've lived in the Bay Area for about 13 years, but I still call them once a That first year I saved, I would talk about Noah and Sharon a lot. You know, not just about um, the big things we were doing or the conversations we had. But a lot of times, I would even just talk about little details. I still remember telling my parents about one really two-minute instant that was very ingrained in my memory, how um, 
There was one day where Nod was pumping some gas at a gas station. Then afterwards, he um, just scratched his face. Then that made Sharon very unhappy. She said, ooh, he touched his face and his hand was dirty. But just little details like that, just little anecdotes I would tell my parents. And then it was something. Um, that Christmas after I was saved, my parents got to meet Noah and Sharon in person. And something very odd happened. There was already a familiarity on the part of my parents toward Noah and Sharon. And uh, Sharon, uh, Sharon said something very telling afterwards. When they left, she said, wow, that was weird. I felt like they knew me already. Yeah. <laughs> and my dad said something on the other side as he was driving me back to Los Angeles. He said, that was neat. I felt like I knew them already. And it could be that way with the Lord also. We can share it with the Lord. Certainly in sharing our testimony, we share a lot about what the Lord's done for us, what he's like. And people can get to see the Lord that way. And something that's visible too, a way we can make the Lord visible, is the Lord a very real presence in our daily lives? Do people see do people see you interacting with him? Do they see him having an effect on your life? Do you talk to them? You know, people do notice when you pray. It doesn't have to be out loud. People do notice when you give thanks at a meal. You just bow your head in prayer for just maybe even a few seconds. I can't remember one time I was still living in the Berkeley fraternity house. You know, I just gave thanks for a few seconds, just quietly. But someone noticed, and it led to a little witnessing opportunity. Now, people are watching if you talk to them. And there's one case where you really have the opportunity to make the Lord visible. It's when you're going through hard times. It's easy to say you trust the Lord when things are going well. But let's say when things are not going well. Let's say you've lost your job. Let's say you've lost your health. Maybe you've been struck with some illness and you're lying helpless on a hospital bed. You know, people can tell when someone is leaning on the Lord because it'll seem like that there's something supporting that person and they can't tell what is at first. It's like you're seeing a table that has one leg cut off it's, and by all the laws of physics, that table should not be staying upright. And yet it is. And that's the way it can be with a believer who's really leaning on the Lord during hard times. That believer is going to look like he's supported by someone. Uh, showing love towards the, showing love towards people, showing love special towards the unsaved, living a holy life. These are all ways in which the invisible God is made visible. The Lord becomes fleshed out through all these things. People still need to see the Lord Jesus just like Bartimaeus did, because when people do see him, this is what happens. When you see it see him truly, you really see him for who he is, you're going to realize your own insufficiency, your own need for him, your own need for his mercy, your need for salvation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you made yourself visible to us, and Lord, we do pray that you would strengthen us, that we would, be, we would make you visible in our lives, that you would be very apparent in our lives to all around us. 
And we do pray that more would see you. We pray this in your name.